the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. But as I was, I was going through this, it was like this cloud just hovering over my head, this kind of like mist, this kind of like ashes, and I couldn't do anything. I remember just pushing Eden around in the buggy, and as I'm pushing Eden around in the buggy, I'm just again and again just reliving it, reliving it, and I can't get away from it. And then Aria's in the buggy, and then Eden's running behind, and I'm kind of just zoned out, and I can't really work, I can't really think. I'm just, I'm just so tormented about stuff that's happening, and I couldn't clear my head. And then there was this moment where the whole week passes, and yesterday I'm sitting in Nero, I've finally got some time, and I'm... I'm thinking, I don't want to sit down and write this talk. I already have a talk written, but I don't really like it. And I was going to do it today and just go through the story of Esther and continue with it. But then Cinderella really started to captivate me. And I started to think about actually how much I could relate to her in that moment. But not just that moment, in so many other moments in my life. I could think of being nine years old and being bullied at school. I could think of being in a job where I loved it, but they didn't want me anymore because they thought I was dead at it. I thought I was killing it, but they thought I was dead. And so you're getting, getting pushed out. And then there's times when you're a part of a community and you're really a part of it, but then they find out something about you, they see you a different way, and all of a sudden, you can no longer be in this community. And all of a sudden, you were so much on the inside and now you're on the outside staring in and you just feel like Cinderella. You're, 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 you're remembering the time gone past where you fit in with the family, where you connected, where you belonged. It's not your fault your mum and dad passed away and now you're sitting on the outside staring in and you're working through the ashes and the dust and the dirt and you're wondering to yourself, will things ever be like they were? Can things ever be better than they are? And as I was sitting in Nero with these ashes just hovering around my head, unable to switch, unable to think. I hadn't slept in like three days, just tossed and turned all night long, then got up and been with the kids the whole day. I sat there and I had this moment a bit like Cinderella. It was like, boom, fairy godmother. (laughs) Or dare I reach and be a heretic and say, (laughs) fairy heavenly father. (laughs) Yeah, I went there. Like, boom, one hand. And I started to think about this, this fairy godmother that just shows up in this story, that sees her on the outside looking in, sees her in the position where others saw her, but they just, they just found it amusing and entertaining that she was suffering. And you know what, one of the things I hate most, I hate most when people can kind of belittle someone else's suffering without trying to put themselves in their shoes, without taking a moment to try and find compassion. You see, often when it comes to religion, that's kind of the way of operating. But time and time again, Jesus reminds his followers, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And I think before we ever get to a place of holding any human being at arm's length, I think we have to operate in a place of mercy first. And if later you feel like, okay, I need to keep a distance here. This is not healthy for me. This is dangerous to me. You do that, but I feel we have to operate in mercy. And I had this moment where I thought of the fairy godmother appearing, having compassion, stepping in, looking at her dirty dress and in her tatters and saying, you will go to the ball. And then I thought of Esther, who, young Jewish girl growing up, living life, little kid, parents apparently died, Babylonian dispersion, empire comes in, 
somewhere along the way they died, whether it was through fighting or through the traveling, being forced to leave their home and go somewhere else. And now it's Persian rule and she's this kind of like, she's older now and the only person she has in her life is her cousin. And I looked at her story and how, it's so different from Cinderella obviously, because for one, it's, it's not really make-believe and there's no fairy godmother. And actually the Bible in Esther doesn't even mention God. It's the suggestion that there's someone behind the scenes just pulling on the strings. And so she has this moment where the story doesn't even start with her story, it starts with the king and how he ditches his wife because she wouldn't come before him one day because he was wasted after a 118 day rave. I mean, who wouldn't be wasted? I would have died on day two. Day two and Andy is dying of alcohol poisoning on the floor in the Big Brother house. It would never have worked for me. So he loses his wife looking for a new one and he does The Bachelor 500 uh, BC and it's not looking for a millionaire, it's looking for a gazillionaire. He's, he's, he's got everything and women from all over the empire are trying to position, position themselves for this position. And Esther, just the most remarkable story, this orphan girl, this, this Cinderella in ashes, ends up being picked and, and marrying and, and becoming queen in the most powerful empire in the world. And you look at that story and you go, wow! Wow. The difference with Esther's story is though, you see Cinderella just kind of ends there because we always end with the happily ever after, but we know that in this life you don't really get happily ever afters. You don't do. You get that period, but it's, it's never like a, if something's gonna happen that's gonna be difficult. It's always when, you know, you're never gonna have that moment where your parents just live on forever and ever and you know, know the loss and the grief of losing your father, your mother, or a sibling. Or your, or your child. I've seen friends lose, lose their kid. You can't tell me they got married that day and then it was happy ever after. It doesn't really work like that. It's, it's so, so tough. But I started to think about that fairy godmother just appearing and as I was sitting in Nero, I had this moment where God just, just boom, appeared, just appeared. And I had this moment of clarity and I was able to get everything that was on the inside out and see things completely different because God had showed up. God had shown up. I want to read to you a chapter from Isaiah. I'm going to read the whole chapter just because it's banging. Isaiah 61. This is what Jesus, uh, these are Jesus' uh, first bars that he stole when he reworked a classic Isaiah piece on an open mic night at a synagogue somewhere in Israel. And he stood up, he, 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 he opened the scroll and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because God has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to com comfort those who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a headdress instead of ashes. Cinderella, it's coming. It's coming. That headdress is coming. You're not going to look like this anymore. You're not going to be covered in these ashes anymore. It's about to change. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. That they may be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. That he may be glorified. They shall bind up ancient ruins. Those things, those areas, those devastations you've gone through in your life where it's just everything's just crumbling away and you think that everything is lost and everything is gone. Oh no, we're building something new. 
we're building something new, something strong, something lasting. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend to your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen, your vine dressers, but you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Yes, loud. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. Man, that's so much better than Cinderella. Cinderella, you got till 12 o'clock and then, you, sister, you got to retru- you got to get back those shoes. Well, not the shoes, the shoes last. You, you got to get back that dress, that carriage. You're going to lose, all, you're going to have these mice, a pumpkin, all that stuff back. You got, you got until 12. So just enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. She gets married to, the, to the, the prince. One day she'll be queen. But even with all that wealth, none of that splendor will compare to what the fairy godmother gave her that day because she was head and shoulders above all the richest and most influential people there. She stood out above everyone. But what I love is they shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. She was robbed and wronged of so much. Maybe you have been. Maybe I have been in different points and moments in our lives. Maybe we will be in the future. I have faithfully given them their recompense and I will make an everlasting covenant. An everlasting one that doesn't fade away. It's not 12 o'clock and then you turn back to the minging situation you were in. Your whole life falling apart, left in tatters, back to the fireplace, back to put my ashes on and and get all down and bent up about life and, and broken. An everlasting covenant. Their offspring shall be known among the nations, their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are the offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. I love it. She gets dressed up. She's going to the ball. She's going to the party. But he's talking about you being clothed in the garments of salvation. The New Testament writers would talk about Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, talking about how we are clothed in his righteousness, that we kind of clothe ourselves in him, in his identity, in what he's done for us. There is this beautiful thing that is available to every single one of us today. You know, out there is so cool. Later the kids are gonna get like tons and really cool presents we've got to give away. And the ones that are left over, it's great. I'm gonna go to children's hospital. I'm gonna have so much fun. Like, hey, I'm look a hero walking in with all these gifts that are left over. Like, like, whoa, what a boast. They're gonna get all that stuff and that's really cool. But actually there's a gift today and every day and every morning and in every moment that is available that will transcend the very fabric of anything you and I can fathom in what Jesus has done on the cross. That we will never stand before God clothed in our righteousness because Isaiah, same, same, same guy, Mad Bars, another mixtape, he literally says that our righteousness is like a, a used tampon, a dirty menstrual rag. And I've never been to a house of any house I visited where someone has one on the mantelpiece going, this is my used tampon. I'm so proud of this one. You can see it in all its splendor. It's one of my finest pieces. I, I, I removed my degree from Cambridge just to place it here for people to come and, and behold in all its glory. No one does that. That's what the Bible says our righteousness is. Our righteousness. Not our sin. Our righteousness is like that. I don't know anyone who's kept one. If anyone knows someone who's kept one, please let me know. I'll do a video interview because it'll be great for our YouTube. 
You know what I mean? It'd be a great conversation. Wow, wow, you took Isaiah really, you're proud of that. I love that. That's great. We're clothed with garments of salvation. In Jesus, we are clothed in him. We get to stand before a holy God and boldly we can approach God's throne of grace. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts and as the garden causes what is sown into it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spout out among all the nations. And you know what, man? I had this moment yesterday where all of a sudden my fairy godmother showed up, my heavenly father, and he busted like that. All of a sudden, the haze that hangs over the head is just gone. All of a sudden, the praise and the joy can come out of a place of anguish where I couldn't have any praise and I couldn't have any joy. And I can think back time and time again throughout my entire life from the point of being nine and being bullied and crying in my bed. And I remember God meeting me when I was nine years of age and I cried out saying, God, I heard at church, apparently you love me. I could do with some love. And I felt the warmth of his presence and his peace. And I could go to sleep that night. I remember when I was suicidal and standing in front of this tiny train station, waiting for the fast train to go past, ready to stuck out in front of it. And I remember God, my fairy godmother, my heavenly father just stepped up. He said, you are a promise from me. How can I be a promise? Look at me, I'm a waste man. But his grace. And he clothed me in his righteousness. And it's like the prodigal son. Or, or a sick and twisted version of Jeremy Kyle. Where every other dad is like, I'm not the father, or you're not the father, and they do the praise break dance you see in churches. If you've been to those kind of churches where they run around praising and they're doing the little stepping or whatever. You see them doing that when they find out they're not the dad. God's there at Jeremy Kyle, and, he, and Jeremy's like, you're not the dad. He's like, he's mine! I'll take him. My boy, my son, I'll have him. Cinderella, you're not the father. No, she's mine. Take those ashes off. Man, I love it. Prodigal son, he runs out. Get the robes, guys. Get, get the ring. Get the ring on the finger. Get the party started up in here. He's coming home. The great news is that this is something that isn't exclusive. It's not something that's, that's, it's something that's actually given so freely you could be foolish enough to mistake it as, as something given away cheaply like a flyer on the high street. But it's actually something greater than anything you could ever have. Someone could come in here today and, and pay off your mortgage, and I promise you it wouldn't be as significant as this. Someone could come in here today and give you 10 million. Someone could give you a billion. Someone could give you a trillion. It doesn't matter. It still wouldn't, on the balance of the scales, come anywhere close to this because there's a day when Jesus is coming back, and it doesn't matter how rich you are, you can't walk up to him and go, hey, Jesus, I want to give you this money because the moment he shows up, money has no value of itself. It's not intrinsic in any way or in any nature. It's a fabrication. It's faith. They say the money goes up and down in value based on people's faith and trust in it. It doesn't exist. It's a fabrication of our imagination to trade items one to another. But what Jesus offers is eternal and cannot be taken away and cannot fade. He's offering an everlasting covenant that doesn't disappear, that doesn't go away. He's not saying to you at 12 o'clock, it all turns back to poo. It doesn't. He's not waiting at some other prince to rescue the day. He died on a cross that you could have resurrection, that you could experience eternal life. He didn't just stay dead, he rose again. Drop mic, bus case. 
and the resurrection and the life. Whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Your fairy godmother, your father in heaven, is looking to clothe you in the righteousness of his son. The robes are out, the ring is on the finger. Today you and I get the opportunity of a step of faith to trust Jesus to ditch the cinders and become a son, a daughter, a prince, a princess of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The creator of the universe, the multiverse, any other verse except the Marvel verse, because that was Stan Lee. Um, he's reaching out to you today and he's offering something no one else can offer. I'm going to pray for us today and that'll be it. Father God, I thank you for your unwavering grace towards us, your mercy and your love and your dedication. Father God, I thank you that though we were like a Cinderella in ashes, you reached out and you give us gladness, you give us peace, you give us love, you give us hope, you give us newness, you clothe us in yourself that we could receive something that no one ever dreamed possible. That we could be whole and we could live a life of eternal value that stretches on not just in longevity, but in quality. Father, some of us today may have come here a bit like how I felt this week, and I just pray, Father, right now, by your Holy Spirit, you just start to lift the ashes off. Some of us, Lord, we do different types of jobs, and some of us, our jobs actually break us down and make us feel worthless. But actually, regardless of any job and any actions that we do, our value doesn't change because it's not of any other man's standing or faith or trust in the work we accomplish, but in the work that Jesus accomplished on the cross and that we are princes and princesses. We are heirs of a kingdom greater than anything on this earth. I pray you would be with us and transform us by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london.